the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. And for a year, a year and change, I've come on here and said you should use our code. I'm not going to tell you that this week, okay? Because they deal, the deal they're running at theathletic.com right now is a dollar a month for 12 months. And I believe in this product so much, I don't even want you to use the spot track code. I want you to go to the site, get the Black Friday deal, get yourself involved, and uh, enjoy the content that we've been enjoying over here now for the better part of really two years. Over a million, you've already subscribed. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the time to do it. They're wrapping up week 12 coverage of the NFL, of course, the NBA offseason. They're grading. They're giving you the rumors, the latest hot stove. And baseball's starting to slowly creep into the offseason hot stove mess as well. So obviously, they're on that. Visit theathletic.com. Don't even visit theathletic.com slash track today. Go and get the Black Friday deal, $1 per month for the first year. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thanksgiving. It is Sunday evening. We're watching the Packers sort of turn up the juice here on the, on the Chicago Bears. I assume that's going to be smooth sailing for Aaron Rodgers going forward here. But it is Trubisky time, so still watchable here. We're going to bring in Scott Allen right away here, right off the gate, and run around a couple of these leagues real briefly tonight. Um, kind of some conversational pieces more than analytic deep dives, though. Those are coming. <laughs> um, you know, what we're seeing here in Week 12 and Week 11 you know, COVID-19 notwithstanding, because really it's starting to get ugly and messy. And I'm going to touch on that just a little bit with Scott to start. But uh, look, we're heading towards roster bubble time for next year's NFL rosters. We're heading towards extension candidates. We're heading towards a huge conversation about quarterbacks, which we've sort of had, uh, you know, a, a couple of shows based around. But it's starting to really get serious with a couple of teams in their quarterback situation. The NBA is really interesting. Really interesting. We've tried to touch on it every single show. We're going to do it again today uh, because some of the moves that we talked about last week have changed. Shocker, right? <laughs> Nothing's official till it's officially official. So Scott's got some updated details on that. And I want to talk a little bit about some baseball as well and a little gambling too. And I'm going to t- start with that. Scott, welcome back to the show. Happy Thanksgiving. Question number one for you. I mentioned the gambling. I mentioned the COVID-19. That is the discussion I want to open with here. Did you bet or have a DFS lineup or anything of the sorts for Thanksgiving that was either ruined, that was extremely complicated. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's, it's becoming a mess. Cousin Dan mm-hmm. is going to bed with the cold shakes now because he doesn't know <laughs> how to handle this. There's really no right or wrong right now. It's kind of throwing baloney at the wall. Did you dive into it at all Thursday, and did you do it again this weekend? I did both. I tried to make sure I picked guys that I knew that were for the most part safe or stayed away from certain teams. Or, you know, if I guess if you're the uh, one to pick Saints players because the Broncos were uh, a shell of themselves for the most part. Um, But I, I tried to stay away from any of the teams that were bombarded with any of the issues that are going on. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of becoming a last minute problem though. You know, before, before we could kind of trickle into the week and by Wednesday, we kind of knew what the lineups were going to look like. That's not the case anymore. We're getting Friday night, Saturday morning issues, unfortunately. Right. And it's a, it's a, it's a composite of what the whole country is going through. So I'm not blaming anybody here. I'm just saying it's, this is, what we're all going through, and as fans who get involved with the fantasy and the gambling side of it, uh, it's a bear right now, and you're right. It's kind of about picking stability, and that's a really smooth transition into where I want to go with the NFL right now. I've been hammering home injured reserve list numbers. We've talked dead cap numbers on here, Scott, you and I, and, and those things matter, and those things matter right now. Those things matter maybe more than ever right now because – you're looking at the teams. You mentioned the Saints. The Saints obviously don't have Drew Brees, and and the Taysom Hill project, I'll say, is interesting, and it's working, but it's working because 95% of that roster is completely intact right now. Michael Thomas is Correct. back. Emmanuel Sanders is back. The entire offensive line, for the most part, is intact. Um, you know, they have, they've had some pieces in and out there a little today, which made things interesting for Taysom, but the entire defense now for maybe three weeks, give or take one player, has been not only there, but get, getting acclimated, right? getting into the rhythm a little bit. We've seen this. This is why the Saints are, are throwing this winning streak off here 
it's not so much the offense putting up big numbers. It's about stability on the offense and the defense really running into form. That's becoming the pattern across the league. You know, that's why I sat down to watch this Bears-Packers game thinking, hey, you know what? This could be a, a chance for the Bears to take that step that all these other teams have taken. Tennessee, same situation. You know, the offense is scoring points, but, man, that defense has settled in. The Chiefs' defense has settled in. The Rams, their defense is there. They're getting snake bit by, by offensive injuries. So everybody has their own thing going on, whether it's a COVID situation like the Ravens or just, you know, the Cowboys and the 49ers who have been just destroyed by the injury bug. Um, but it's about, from a whole roster standpoint, from the coaching right down to the bottom, to the kicking staff, right? Um, not just how, how healthy are you, not just how experienced are you, but a combination of the two, and, and have you been able to string that together for now three, four weeks? Because that's what matters. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's banged up right now. It's the weather starting to turn in a bunch of these cities. So we talked about how running in defense wins the day this time of year. Well, you know, the Titans just ripped off a gigantic win against Indy with through Derrick Henry. That The Raiders could not run the ball, and they they threw up an basically a donut against Atlanta, who could run the ball and then turn to the game. Right. I saw an interesting mm-hmm. t- tweet from Michael David Smith who, uh, in the pro football talk world, and, and I, I appreciated it, and then I stopped and said, wait a minute. So the, I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it in front of me, but it, it was basically something that's to the sort of, if you can't establish the passing game, you can't win in this game right now. You can't win a football game right now. And, and I, I read it and said, oh, that makes sense for what we just saw. And then I stopped and said, wait a minute. That's exactly the opposite of everything we've always heard, always it's always been establish a running game so that the passing game can flourish. Has that changed? Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? Because to me, everything I just said says, no, no, no. It's, this is about running in defense right now. If you can run the ball and you can defend the ball and you've got stability in both of those areas right now, you're going to have a pretty great chance of winning the football game. So is he right? Is the Broncos not having a true quarterback the absolute worst scenario for today, or should they have been able to do better because they have two legitimate running backs? I, I think he's got a point because how, how much the league has gone to a, a throwing uh, down the field or, you know, whatever, you know, short passes because of the passing game and, and the emphasis on that, it, it allows teams to use that running game in a different manner. So I think it's a great I point. Think in Scott. a way, may, it's a great point because think, you can, you can mimic a running game with short passing and some of the smarter correct. teams have done that. So maybe that's an X factor in this discussion. Maybe that is, that is somewhere where, where if you can't establish that running game early, right? If the Raiders couldn't get, couldn't get a uh, Jacobs going, could they have altered their offensive game plan to go dink and dunk, use the screen pass that we saw in the Chargers-Bills game so much that Herbert got really good at and really took some of those Bills linebackers out of the game with? Um, that, that's a really strong point here. I think that's a really great way to look at this because it's, it's an evolution of, you know, we're not just going downfield anymore. Because for three, four years, that was the motto, right? right? That was, that's what was. Rodgers was doing. R- Russell Wilson was doing. Certainly Mahomes was doing. You know, Josh Allen, his first year, let's just bomb this thing down there and, and get some big time plays. And, and those home runs get us to where we need to be in terms of scoring points. I think I think where you're going, Scott, and you, you're welcome to finish that point, is it's a it's a more evolved, more strategic way to incorporate not only a, a run game, but also get more out of running backs, period, which, you know, if you're going to pay a guy. You better darn use him more than just three down or two downs up the middle, right? Right. And where I was sort of going was because the passing, it's stretching the field more and your your secondary is down the field more or having to compensate for those wide receivers that are going to go down the field more so because of the emphasis of the passing. And it allows the running back or even short passes to the running back or screens it allows them more room in the middle of the field because they're stretching the field more. Um, so I think I think he's got a, a valid point. And, you know, I watched a, a, a good amount of that Tennessee game because I found that really intriguing. And, I mean, they, they were throwing to Brown down the field and, and Corey Davis, and it allowed 
Derrick Henry, who's been a a monster beast to do what he did and just take over the game and then smash it in from uh, one to 12 yards to get those touchdowns. So, and that's um, a really good team to focus on Scott, because Derrick Henry has been on that team for six years now, but Derrick Henry didn't get Derrick Henry until Ryan Tannehill became the quarterback of that team. Derrick Henry wasn't this way with Mariota. He wasn't because I think it's because of exactly what you're saying. Because there wasn't that ability to at least put in the defensive game plan the need to stop or concern yourself with an A.J. Brown or a Corey Davis. Corey Davis was there. He's been there as long as Henry has, right? This is his fifth year. So um, it's about having a balance, I think. And then maybe in the second half, you adjust that balance one way or another based on how the game has gone or or what you think the other defense is going to do against you. But you need to have the balance. And that goes back to my original discussion, Scott, which is you got to be healthy. You got you got to be healthy and stable for the last month, really, to be hitting the ground running when you're when we're talking December, which is just a day and a half away here. So I, I do think that's really something if I'm a betting man and we'll go back to that point, too. You know, if I'm laying if I'm thinking Super Bowl picks or, or late postseason runs or, or division winners right now, you know, I'm not just looking at wins and losses. I'm not just looking at. Derrick Henry's performances. I'm looking at the whole picture that also includes the injured reserve list, the COVID list, the, you know, who's, who's eligible to return from the injured reserve list, by the way, which is new mm-hmm. rules this year. You know, a guy who's out isn't, isn't out anymore. It's a three week, it's a three week, you know, Whoa. pause. And then you're welcome back. Austin Eckler comes back to the chargers, yeah. makes an immediate impact <laughs> gonna say that. to the point of where I think his minutes, they wanted to cap him at like maybe 20 minutes. He played more than a half today. So, um, you know, it's those kind of analytics with a team that if if you're a a betting fan, (laughs) you got to get inside that rabbit hole and understand, hey, Chris Harris, Austin Eckler coming back for the Chargers. That's going to make an impact, an immediate impact. Who's coming back for for Team X next week? And where is that going to go? I I think it's a big deal. And, And like I said, if you can gain some stability with your injury list right now, you've got a better chance than that. We saw it with Washington, <laughs> your first place Washington football team, at least for a hot minute here. That defense got banged up and they started to lose some games. And then that defense came back kind of all, all together. And Antonio Gibson decided he's going to be one of the top five running backs in football. And there's your running game, your def- and there's your stable defense. And oh, by the way, you throw in a veteran quarterback by default in Alex Smith and things are starting to click a little bit for that team. It's not rocket right. science to me. So I, I'm not sure I 100% agree with the generalization that you absolutely have to have a passing game to establish the running game. No, I, I, like, I like your take. No, no, I like your take that that passing game doesn't necessarily have to be 25 yards down the field. You know, you don't, you, we don't have to be establishing the deep threat in order to get our running game going because we can modify a passing game to mimic a running game and... and and, and and at least do enough to get the defense off balance, right? Yeah, think of the New England Patriots for the last five years. Sure, better I mean, t- Tom Brady wasn't throwing it deep down the field. They were using Edelman or or, or whoever is next man up there. Mm-hmm. They're throwing the, the the slot short throws and, you know, committee, uh, running back by committee, and they were able to run the ball still, not stellar, but there wasn't a top running back on that team. They just were able to spread it around. You know, I look at the standings right now, and, you know, the teams that have, you know, for the most part, really good running backs are teams that are able to throw down the field because they can spread it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have the Steelers with uh, Connor. You got the Saints with uh, Kamara, who is everything right now. Uh, <laughs> you've got the Packers, who are winning right now, but they've got Aaron Jones. You got the Chiefs with the, their running backs and Hilaire. Um, Titans with. Uh, Derrick Henry, you got the Seahawks with Chris Car- uh, Carson, yeah. and and so on. But uh, you you can see the stark difference with the teams that are on the top right now. They they have the passing game, which allows for the 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 runners that they have to do what they need to and and get down the field or smash the ball or or do whatever they need to. Um, and and to add on to your point with the the being healthy and where this COVID stuff is going and in the 
you know, blowing up of cases here that it's going to matter because if there is a missed game, yeah, I know they're, they're, they're going to go to that expanded playoffs, but look at who's in the expanded playoffs right now. If it goes to eight, eight teams on each side, the number eight team in the AFC is the Ravens. The number eight team on the NFC is the Chicago bears. And then below those are the Raiders and the Vikings. But the fact that the Ravens and the Bears are in the eighth spot and they could be in the playoffs. And I mean, we're, you were just off the top saying the Bears have a chance. The Ravens have a chance if they can be healthy after all these cases. And like you've said before, some of these players that have had have had actual cases, you know, they, they've sort of been a, a shell of themselves for a few weeks after they've come back. So where will the Ra- Ravens be? Will the Raiders be able to step up and, and jump over them? Um, are, are the Patriots going to be able to jump both of those teams and actually make the playoffs if there is an expanded? I mean, it, it, the, the, obviously the, the scenarios are endless, but it, it, it goes to the point of if these teams can it, at some point be healthy within the next three to four weeks, they, they have a chance to be in those playoff spots. Yeah. Uh, here's your, here's your current injured list rankings for lack of a better phrase here. Tell me how many playoff teams you hear. Okay. I'm just going in order of how much cap money is currently on the injured list. 49ers, Cowboys, Jaguars, Broncos, Bengals, Arizona Cardinals are fringe, right? That's your bubble team. That's your seven seed right now. That's your seven. Yep. Titans are going to be in They're They're in this top 10 of this list. The chargers they're out looking in right way out saints. There you go. Mm-hmm. There's the yeah. team that's overcoming it. But Oh, by the way, guess what that uh gigantic cap charges from drew Brees, yeah. who they don't drew even Brees. need right now. Right. They literally don't even need Taysom Hill can manage the game with that defense and, and that, that one, two running back punch just fine. So that's a bit of an anomaly. Houston Texans out Philadelphia Eagles probably out Washington. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Minnesota on the, on the out looking in Detroit out Patriots out right now. That's like your top 15 of injured reserve list. It's not rocket science, right? <laughs> right. Her teams don't win. Her teams don't win. And, and that's, this is not even including the COVID lists. This is just the IR, just the injured reserve. So there's plenty of other, other teams dealing with things that, uh, you know, have made 2020 unique for sure. Let's quickly do this Scott. Um, because I, I do this generally after the year and sometimes I touch on it during the year as well, but I have to tell you, generally I'm doing it from a negative standpoint. What I want to do is I want to talk about the highest average paid players at a couple of these positions and, and, and kind of see what, how they're progressing from a team perspective, because we were in like a three, four year run there where being paid was a detriment to your team. And there were starting to be some real tangible trends coming forth with that. And, you know, a lot of the really smart people, smarter than you and I, were basically laughing, saying, no, 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 this is nothing to write down in pen. This is simply something that that happens every now and then you get a good crop of young quarterbacks that come in or a good crop of running backs. You know, people hit a couple of lightnings and bottles in the third rounds of drafts with wide receivers and running backs. And, you know, the pendulum kind of shifts in one direction, but it's going to shift back. Just like the NBA Scott experience matters. We're kind of in that mode right now to, to some degree. I mean, if you just look at the quarterback list, it's obviously Mahomes. We know what they're doing They're You know, he's the MVP and they're they're pushing to be the best team in football yet again. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson's second. He's just the unluckiest athlete in the world right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, he had a hell of a, hell of a day Thursday. He's had a hell of a year. I've, statistically speaking, in fact, that even caught me off guard when I, when I was watching that game and they throw some of the numbers up there. I mean, he's completing 71 percent of his passes on a bad team. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with Deshaun Watson uh, and that team better get it together quickly or he's going to be pulling himself and Antonio Brown to get me the heck out of town. Right. That's coming. Absolutely. They, because yep. because the guys around him on this list here, this this highest paid list, their teams have it together for the most part. Like I said, Mahomes, obviously, you've got Russell Wilson third. They're trending in the right direction. They've got to kind of come back to gear a little bit. Obviously, Roethlisberger had a bounce back year that we all kind of expected. And, and that's an undefeated team right now. Jared Goff went very, very Jared Goffy today. Um, yes, he did. But I got to tell you that he lost his left tackle. That's all I could think about today is that's a guy who lost his left tackle. And obviously they have to overcome that, but 
There's a reason they signed 38-year-old Andrew Whitworth back to a two-year contract or whatever it was. Uh, he mattered that much to Goff. And I don't blame those kind of relationships from mattering. I mean, that's an important position with the most important position back-to-back -back there. So something to monitor, but that's a healthy team for the most part. That's not a team I just mentioned. That is a team, though, that, that le that's up there in dead cap. I believe they're third in the NFL in dead cap, which we've talked about a lot. And that has limited their ability, not only in the offseason, but at the trade deadline, of course, to kind of maneuver even a little bit to replace some injuries, replace some deficiencies they have. So they're a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of where these other teams stand from a team building perspective. And, and Goff is tied neck and neck financially with Aaron Rodgers, who that kind of feels right, doesn't it? Haven't the Packers and the Rams kind of had a similar season where some weeks they look phenomenal and other weeks they throw up just absolute duds? Just, I mean, just absolute didn't feel like showing up today kind of games. So it's yeah. kind of interesting that they're kind of linked at the hip here financially. And then the list gets pretty ugly after that. But that's your top six in terms of, uh, of highest paid quarterbacks. A any thoughts there? I, I, do you kind of agree with the experts that say these things are kind of cyclical and, you know, you're going to have your ebbs and flows of, of, of a youth movement versus an experience movement, but generally speaking, the experience is going to win out. Yeah, I, I think so for the most part. Let me part, ask you, I am, I, am I projecting um, the NBA incorrectly, Scott? Does this happen in the NBA, the, the sport you kind of follow the most here? Do you have, are, are there years, maybe one or two years back to back where there's three, four rookies in the league that just dominate the headlines? I kind of, I kind of felt like we were possibly going there with this no. Luca Zion situation, you know, John Morant, but you know, Zion could be a bust. John Morant's great. And, and who we, we need another year out of Luca clearly before we can yeah, that, solidify him. The NBA, it definitely takes time, even though the guys, you know, like you said, you've got your Luca. I think he's just your absolute anomaly for the most part. Yeah. But if you think of any of the superstars right now, they're all guys that have been in the league 10 plus years. They've got the experience. I mean, we've talked about Harden and Westbrook and, you know, even Giannis. I mean, yeah. he's going to be seven, seven years or somewhere around there as it is. So, um, the youth is coming in and, and it, it is the next wave sort of like in the NFL. But right now, experience means everything, it, which is exactly why you we saw AD and LeBron in the championship winning it. And because the experience together. absolutely matters. Not singularly, together, right. not singularly Correct. together. <laughs> right. So it, it but it matters. It absolutely matters, which is why teams are short sort of uh, shuffling the chairs right now because they're trying to figure out that matchup or and, and we'll get to the NBA in a little bit. But going back to your question here, I think experience absolutely matters with the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. However, with that being said, you know, these these averages and being so high, we've talked about it. You know, the goal is to win a championship. And uh, we've talked You're more talking about the money averages. The, 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 yeah, yeah, the money averages. But we know the cap hit being so high, teams don't usually, uh, with a high cap hit for a quarterback, win the Super Bowl. We may end up having that as a complete anomaly this year. Uh, talking, you know, yeah. with Mahomes and Wilson and and Roethlisberger and and Rodgers. It may just yeah. be heck yeah, and Breeze. So it may be if if we can see this happening for the next few years. I can say there's a pendulum swinging, but for right now, you know, it's a great point. And, and let me tack on a little bit here because your Luca point is valid. And it made me think back to where the NFL stands a little bit more because one more year like that from Luca, and we're going to be putting him in places that you know, not a lot of other players go to in terms of, you know, fandom and things like that. Right. It's, it's going right. to start to be LeBron territory with Luca really because of the completeness yeah. of a player that he, he could become. And especially as young as he is, that's Mahomes, and Mahomes has now done enough. The sample size yes. is now big enough to separate Patrick Mahomes from everybody else. And oh, by the way, the other guys we were comparing him with from an age and position perspective, it ain't looking too good. I mean, Lamar's having a, a just disgusting year for the most part. Baker's kind of floundering, but kind of catching his, himself a little bit. Darnold's a disaster, and Josh Allen is above average. But he hasn't taken that big, big step yet, even though for the first four weeks we thought he might be. Um, 
So everybody's kind of doing their, their own thing in their own right. But Mahomes is clearly now, you know, yes. one, 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 a one B and one C. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. then, then there's a two below him. And oh, by the way, that's how the money looks, too. And that's how the money might look for a while here, because if we thought Lamar Jackson was going to be next man up at like 42 and a half and kind of split the difference between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how we can justify that anymore. I mean, the guy no, can't throw either. for two, 250 and two on an average basis. So not to mention he can't win the big game. So I, I'm i pausing on Lamar for sure. And, you know, Josh Allen's going to get his money, but I don't think Josh Allen is going to supersede Deshaun Watson at this point at 39 million. Mm. You know, that's probably yeah. his ceiling right now, especially with a cap that's not going up. So you couldn't even really cap adjust. Oh. Um, so it's interesting that, that there's a bit of a parallel between how you can, t- you can take a singular superstar in basketball and maybe we have a singular superstar, superstar in football and they can be put on their own pedestal and everybody else is kind of playing for a second. And that's also how the money can be. That can't happen in the NBA. No. And we've talked about how that might be a problem. You know, just how much should LeBron be making versus Spencer Dinwiddie? <laughs> you know, my apologies to Spencer. I'm just picking a name. But you can't have that gigantic gap because nope. of the structure of the NBA finances. You certainly can here. And my, the last point I want to make before we move on, Scott, is you mentioned how, generally speaking, having a high cap on, a, on any position, but, gen, you know, even the quarterback, hampers a team. And generally, we don't see those teams get to the finish line because, you know, whether or not it's because they had trouble building the team around him because of the high cap situation or not, that's certainly a part of it. So from a financial perspective, agents and players, they're kind of rooting for the Chiefs here, right? Because the Chiefs just signed six guys over the past 18 months to major contract extensions, six, you know, positions of power, six guys that they definitely wanted to keep, but none of us knew how they were going to get it done. Well, obviously they were backloaded deals and and cap friendly up the front, but they did it. I mean, they went all in on this core and they went all in on Patrick Mahomes, certainly. And if they can still win and then be competitive again next year, well, that's proof. That's proof that there is no ceiling on how high your superstar should be paid in the NFL. It is whatever the market says it is times whatever the percentage higher it is. You know, whatever the agent comes in and says, well, my guy is 25% better than the second best quarterback in football. So that we're going to start with this number here. There's no way teams can just laugh at that anymore because the, <laughs> the guy who just <laughs> scored a $45 million per year contract. And oh, by the way, five of his buddies on his team got gigantic contracts then too, j- just won the Super Bowl. So, you know, while I- I'm sure... It's not. It doesn't behoove Lamar Jackson to root for Patrick Mahomes in any breath. From a financial perspective, these guys should be rooting for the Chiefs because the Chiefs went all in financially, and if that turns into another Super Bowl, well, then that's saying something, right? Well, that. Well, that, and on top of it, if if all these guys are, if it works out, and then subsequently the domino falls that more players end up having that same scenario. Yeah. That helps with the franchise tag and all those in the transition tag because of the being the percentage. You know, it's just going to help those values go up. The whole league, the whole it, league thrives. It's a really good point, Scott. But, 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 it, what's interesting is we just went off of a World Series where we had the you know high payroll versus the you two know, versus twenty eight penny yeah penny pinchers. And if this works with the Chiefs, they're the complete opposite of the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, they're they're paying their guys. They're number four in total cap right now. Yep. Um, I, I get it. It's apples to oranges between sport and how many players are on a team and everything like that. And, you know, baseball, you can set, spend whatever you want and not have to deal with a cap or anything. But, you know. The Chiefs are they're they're the spenders. They're the Yankees, the Dodgers, the you know the Red Sox, the the the, the teams that want to spend the money to 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 their superstars right now. And you make a great point. If it works out and these other teams start to you know try to mimic that, mm-hmm. it's going to help those other players with the salaries going up. But I'd say buyer beware because if you start trying to mimic what the Chiefs are doing. You may go down a path that you can't you, – you're, you're going down a, a rabbit hole that you're not going to be able to replicate because you don't have the staff in place. You didn't catch lightning in a bottle with having Mahomes yep. on your roster. It, it just happens to be that they have this generational superstar, and if you can't find that, you can't build 
they brought him in when everything else around him was re- uh, ready, just like we've talked about in the past. Some of these teams are not even close to that point. So if they try to do what the Chiefs are doing, they're, they're never going to succeed. You know, I agree. And just to play devil's advocate, because, you know, you know, we've been seeing this with all these sports now for quite a while. We've seen teams do this. We've seen teams go absolutely all in, whether it's in a big free agent spending year, whether it's, you know, we're trading for six guys. I mean, the Browns did this two years ago, right? Um, and even if it works, you know, this is year one of this gigantic chief expenditure, right? So they've tempered their cash flow this year, but the cash flow next year is going to be insane. You know, the cap, the cap's only going to increase for those players. And then year three, after the team-friendly part of the deals completely expire, who knows? But, you know, they're not going to win the next five Super Bowls. That's almost an absolute guarantee in my, in my book. But at some point where they're going to get in trouble is there's just no getting out of this, right? Mm-hmm. The only way out is to fall off a cliff and die. That's the, that's the way out of this kind of a move financially. You're just going to have to suck it up and eat big-time cap dead cap expenditures big time probably cash expenditures you know you're gonna have to get raked over the over the coals on a couple of trades to get guys out of town similar to what the rams just did with Gurley and and cooks um that's coming at some point and i don't want to think about that yet because it's really fun to watch this team right now and it's really awesome that the the big time moves they made are paying off but just just to put it in the back of your head that you know, there's a <laughs> there's a big fire coming in terms of the, the spending this much all at one time. You know, when you don't stagger, the the end result is generally a crash into a wall. So just keep that in the back of your head at some point in time for the Chiefs that it's not going to be pretty eventually. But this is super fun to watch right now. Well, well that, that's that's an absolute great point because we're seeing that with the Gold State Warriors and the amount of luxury tax that we've talked about that they're going to have to pay because they've you know it just happens to be that all their guys are at the same, you know, age and years and contracts and they're having to pay all these guys. It's a great point. And the IR, the IR list is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clay Thompson yet again, yet again. Yep. And it's going to put a lot of stress on Steph to kind of take up, you know, 20% more playing time and production. And he has not handled that well from a health perspective. So I, I, I want that to work out. I want the Golden State Warriors to be relevant again. But yeah, you're right. That could be the beginning of the, a mess in terms of the standings and a big a big mess in terms of, of the cash and cap and luxury tax. All right, quickly, let's go to basketball and then maybe get out of here. Like I said in the open here, <laughs> nothing is official until it's officially official. What do we know now about the Gordon Hayward now trade to the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, sign and trade. So um, it is sign and trade, Gordon Hayward plus two first, or sorry, two whoa, seconds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Start, no, whoa, start this over, because otherwise, holy. Rewind. Um, Gordon Hayward plus a 2023rd second and a 2024 second for a heavily protected 2022 second round pick. Meaning they're and never going to see it meaning they're never going to see it or it's going to exchange hands a gazillion times. So they, they won't see it anyways. But, um, the big thing that comes out of it is Boston gets a 28 and a half million dollar trade exception, which expires a year from now. So about expires a year from now, but this is huge. This is the largest in NBA history. So they can essentially bring in almost anyone as long as they can keep it under their their you know they're going to be hard capped based on the value that they're going to be signing Tristan Thompson to. Okay. So once all of that is said and done, uh, they're going to only have a little bit, or I mean, probably some layman terms. Scott, what does the hard cap mean for them? If you can say that in three sentences or less. So the hard cap is uh, about $6 million above the luxury tax threshold. So in this case, for the 2020 season, it's going to be at $138.9 million. They can spend up to that and not above it. So even a dollar above that, they can't spend over that at all. Um, so you're saying when so they sign Tristan Thompson, they will be over that threshold? They, they, will, they trigger that. So they can do any other spending. They can bring in any other players that they want, but they cannot go over that 138 million. So it, with 
with that being said, Boston is going to not probably will not be able to use that entire $28.5 million trade exception for this season, Mm -hmm. but they could, if they wanted to hold off for this season and go into next season, they could, they could bring in someone like in this off season at the 28 and a half million or, I mean, you know, someone you could bring in your own Gordon Hayward on a sign and trade next free agency. You could. Yes. Which is super interesting. it just matters when they want to use it. I, I wouldn't expect them to probably use it unless they want to package something and, you know, uh, bring in. I mean, they could if they think they need an upgrade over what they've already have on their roster and if things work out. But uh, like you said, it, it, it's good for a year from now. So they could they could hold on to it and see where they are after this season and then make a huge move just like this happened. You know, we saw it with Golden State. They it just happened that the dominoes fell as they did. Clay got injured and they they used the trade acceptor to bring in Ubre. Something similar could happen in, in this. You know, they may want to use it and bring someone in that at a twenty million dollar wherever we're gonna be uh, cap hit mm-hmm. and just absorb it. They could, uh, but they could also hold off and use it going into next season as well. I'm obviously looking at next year's cap hits to figure out who it's going to be. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've already I've already seen you know Bradley Beal come okay. up about three times in my my feed, and I've seen okay, but he's uh, at thirty four point five, so that's not going to work. Right. Well, I've seen it for this season, and I've seen conflicting information back and forth. Like Kevin uh, Keith Smith, he he's the one that had originally brought up the whole hard cap situation. Right. But then there's another, another guy that I follow who is saying that, you know, Bradley Beal uh, conspiracy theory is it's at 28, five, but Bradley Beal's at 28, seven. So, you know, there's conflicting information on what it could mean. Gotcha. Everyone's just reading into the tea leaves, but you know, I, I think, Having that $28.5 million trade exception is huge for Boston, especially with the assets that they have and, you know, not just players, but draft assets. Um, yeah. So with that being said, and they I don't know why Charlotte did this. Okay, explain why, it to why, me. Why is, there, is there any kind of rhyme and reason? I, I've been trying to wrap my head around it, and I, I can't figure it out. If someone has a logical explanation, so, hit us up. So but, they didn't use cap space then? To sign Gordon Hayward, they acquired him via they acquired his rights, correct? They acquired via the rights. So essentially, what it is is Boston signs the contract and simultaneously trades it to Charlotte. But Charlotte also waived and stretched Nicholas Batum to make sure they had room. That's official now. It is. They waived. Oh, him. I don't understand this at all. So. You're telling me then if they renounce their cap holds, they could still have a, a decent amount of cap space to work with. Plus, they have their exceptions still. Well, they'll probably be over at this point. Um, right now, they're they're below. I mean, Biombo is coming back on uh, a, a minimum deal, from what I understand. So that twenty five, when he does hit. That 25 will go down. You got Lamella Ball still at seven eight. So they're going to have probably some yep. cap space. Uh, because I have Hayward on there right now it, with all the transactions that I know of so far, and they're still at uh, $82 million on their active roster, but their cap holds still hit, so they're considered over. But, you know... I guess that's my I, point, I, though. It, it's a kind of a weird thing to say out loud if you don't follow the NBA too much, but I don't understand why they'd want to be under the cap. Well, if you're under, if you're under the cap, you lose... Your two exceptions, your, right. your non-taxpayer mid level and your biannual. Right. So as soon as they go under, they'll lose those. Um, but so what do you have rather would, than you, just acquired Gordon Hayward using cap space? So that yeah, you could also you add throw, more pieces using the exceptions, or do they think that they're done and they're just going to operate under the cap now in season, which makes no sense. They have to add some pieces because right now they're at they're at ten on their roster. You add Biombo, that's eleven. You add Lamelo Ball, that's uh, twelve. So you've got to get at least three more players on your roster. So <laughs> and, and there's 
dwindling, you know, dwindling players on the free agent market as it is right now. But why would you throw a bone to your competitor that's in the in the East and give them a giant trade exception that they could right. use to bring in whoever they anybody. want? That, any shooting, anybody, basically any shooting guard in the league. It's crazy. Right. So it, it, it does not make any sense except for the fact that it just proves how bad the organization in Charlotte is right now. And I hate to say that with Michael Jordan being the owner and everything, but, you know, they're just – it's mind-boggling how they're operating and, and what they're doing. And we talked about that before, but it, this just makes it even more mind-boggling the – uh, the path that they're going, they, they really have to hope that this Gordon Hayward works out because I mean, we went through the numbers of Hayward plus Batum being waived. And now Hayward's values are up even, you know, 28 and a half this season uh, for this. I don't season, understand the waiver at all. I don't understand the, the need to do that. Well, they, the, a, they probably couldn't find a third team to have so to take what? on that, that value on the that roster. Much. Yeah. I, I don't know why eating it. I'd have to do the math to, to double check to see if them having Batum on there and then triggering and, and bringing in Hayward being hard capped would have taken them over with after all is said and done. No. Maybe they couldn't, they would have been over the hard cap and it wouldn't have worked out financially. So they had to make a move to fit him in. I'd have to do the math to double check that, but you know, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense why you would let. So here's, here's where, what could happen. And, and we, we've seen it with Oklahoma city. Boston's going to get this 28 and a half million trade exception. Say they bring in somebody with that trade exception and, you know, they bring them in and then they send a few players back. Then the domino effect happens where that next team could have a large trade exception because of not needing to necessarily match <laughs> and, and subsequently sub down. It, it, that's what happened with Oklahoma City. They brought in, you know, Ubre and then flipped them. They brought in. Uh, they got a trade exception for Steven Adams, so they're going to take on that. It sounds like they're going to use that to take on Al Horford, and it's it's just this domino effect of trade Mo moving bad people, bad players on high cap it's around in order to acquire draft picks. Correct. Correct. And if if teams are business. watching, if teams are watching this carefully, and they know a team has cap space. And they want to make a trade doing this. I'll uh, let's let, let's just say let's bring the Knicks because we always want to talk about the Knicks. Say the Knicks have cap space next year and they want to do some kind of sign and trade with a marquee player, Darren Fox. Then that trade, then that trade. <laughs> well, can't trade him because he signed his extension. But um, it, it on the flip side, that team that is trading that sign and trade to say the Knicks could get a trade exception, a large one for whatever player that you're signing. So if the teams are reading tea leaves and doing, you know, the right moves, they're going to start wanting to acquire these large trade exceptions for these, these players, because then they can absorb players and not have to set sending uh, players back, especially where the cap is going. They already know what the minimum cap is going to be. So they can run all their numbers and all their scenarios and be really meticulous and really smart with how they use their money, as opposed to, you know, these, these values that they've had in the past have been extreme projections based on revenue regardless of the revenue right now, they know the cap next year is at 112 or could go even higher. So they can really do their math and figure out what do we want to do with this player? Can we get an exception if we strike a deal with this team because they, we know they're going to go down and uh, it, it, take a player on? It, it's it's going to be uh, really interesting and super awesome to see teams and how they operate. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I get it. I, I absolutely get it. 
I think they're banking on. Uh, so, so are the Charlotte Hornets controlling their cap situation, possibly to be one of those teams? Not now, but for next year, they won't know. Uh, oh, I see where you're going with this. Because let's say the team, another team we mentioned tonight, decides that it's time to blow it up, and as ugly as it's going to be. Is there any chance in hell Steph Curry goes home? Mm, no, it's not a hot take. I'm just saying at some point, <laughs> at some point, the Warriors are not going to want to pay a $140 million luxury tax bill, right? I mean, that's just, that's just going to be a, a, a business fact. Yeah. So yeah. if Clay Thompson's not tradable because of his injury history and Draymond Green is a shell of himself and basically not tradable, the only entity people will want is Steph Curry. I don't imagine it happens, but is that is there something in the back of these bad teams' mind that think, hey, we might be able to pull this guy out of there because of how bad their 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 business structure is right now? I can't imagine that's on anybody's you know to do list. But I, I don't understand. No, but Here, it's- here's let me give you a more general question. I just don't understand why any team would ever want a lot of cap space in the NBA. To me, it's you have so many ways to acquire players. Acquire players, <laughs> right? Well, I think why be bad? I think. I think more of recent because of the the new structure of the sign and trade. Um, teams are taking advantage of okay. it to. That's a that's. I was going to bring that back to you. You you, you kind of glossed over that with OKC and maybe a couple of these other moves we've seen. Is this bad for the game? You, you know, we saw it in the NFL a couple of times now with the, the Osweiler situation in Cleveland, and um, you know, Houston essentially did that in their latest couple of moves where you're, you're just really shelling bad players for great picks by taking on other bad players. And it's kind of a round-robin carousel of, you know, this guy really can't help us, and he costs a lot of money, but we'll take him on for a year in order to get a first-round pick out of it. Is that bad for the league? I mean, is, a, is OKC going to be markedly better in the next three years? Or are they, have they bottomed out now for a while because of what they've done? Mm, I think they'll be competitive. I, I wouldn't say they bottom out. Um, they definitely acquired as many assets. And like I've said before, they have so many assets that they're not going to be able to have all those assets when they've come to fruition and have those players on their rosters. They're not going to be able to keep them because they're just not going to be feasible with the amount of roster, you know, space and, and, and monetary value that these players are going to have. They're, they're going to have to move some of them for something at some point. We've, we saw that with uh, Boston. They, they have to make a move. They got to trade or do something with the picks. You can't just keep acquiring all the picks and not do anything with it. With that being said, I think these signing trades, like I said, the teams are starting to get smart. And I don't want to call it a circumvention of the cap, but in a way it is. They're realizing that they can sign and trade these players, get something back, you know, especially if they're already over the cap. They, With salary matching purposes, they can at least get something back for these players instead of losing them outright. And now because we've had this cap not rising as fast as some of the expected because of the pandemic and, and revenue teams are realizing that cap space is not going to be there for all the teams anyway. So the fact that they can do these signing trades now, it, it just happens that we have a few teams that had like maximum space that they could use. Th- that may not be the case here in a few years because these salaries are so high and in, in teams may not necessarily, you know, conjure that much unless they really are focused on having space like Miami for next next season they've they had structured their their contracts in a way so that they can opt out of some of those contracts with Dragic and Myers Leonard and and have space to sign uh, potentially with Giannis. Now they they've lost some of that space because they signed Bam Adebayo to his extension uh, but the teams are, are they're, they're getting smart in the fact that, all right, let's make a deal with another team. We acquire the rights of the player so that when they have those bird rights, we can still sign them to their maximum value and keep us over the cap. But we've got something coming back, whether it's picks or players. Um, so I think it's just a way of teams becoming smarter with the CBA that we're in and, the, and 
the cap structure that has happened and, you know, the the maximum salaries, that's another uh, consequence, not a consequence, but another uh, situation because of the CBA, they made the uh, maximum salaries straight up 25, 30 and 35% of the salary. So they know going into every year what the exact amount is going to be. And it's not going to be a projection based on the revenue and a percentage of some value that is unknown to 95% of the NBA followers. Um, So I think it's just teams becoming smarter with their money and wanting to get something back. They don't want to lose it, which is why we've talked about Giannis and what he's going to do. Because, you know, if, if he decides not to, you either trade him now or you wait and sign and trade him next offseason because Milwaukee's going to want something back. They, they don't want to they don't want to lose and get zero dollars out of it. So you say that, but at the same time, you're talking about how teams are afraid to lose their free agents for nothing, which <laughs> is the veritable definition of free agency. Somebody leaves <laughs> your team and goes somewhere else and that's your loss. And every other sport, that's the case. This is the only sport that allows you to sort of finagle with the process and at the, yes. and at the 11th hour, find some kind of value in letting a guy literally walk to another franchise. Does that have to change? Should free agency be true free agency in basketball? And I'm going to give you two questions. That and maybe it's an and or. Or should the, should the trade exception process be eliminated? Because that's what's getting taken advantage of here. Is that <laughs> yes, correct? It is. Okay. Yeah, it it absolutely is getting taken advantage of, and that's why I say it's a domino effect. Because when there's not matching salaries, it's just gonna it's gonna cascade into something that you know it's gonna be wild wild west with these trade exceptions. Because you know I'm gonna take this, but then you're gonna get this back because you know it didn't match, and we were below salary or you know below cap or however it structures. As far as, you know, free agency itself, in a way, it would help if it was a true free agency, I guess. Let, let, let's go to the Sacramento-Atlanta situation with um, Bogdanovich. So we, we know that the deal with Milwaukee fell through. So Bogdanovich went to Atlanta, signed an offer sheet. Now that offer sheet... Sacramento had 48 hours to match. They decided not to match. And the reason they didn't want to match was Atlanta made it too rich for Sacramento to have to deal with. They threw in not only a fourth-year player option, they added a 15% trade kicker on top of it, meaning if Sacramento matched the offer and then six months from now wanted to trade him, they would have to pay the fifteen percent trade the kicker. Salary. Yeah, they would have to pay the fifteen percent cash. The cap, how it would work out, would go to whatever team he would get traded to. But Sacramento would get stuck with the cash that would be owed to him. So Atlanta, because they had the cap space to bring him on with this, they structured the deal specifically so that Sacramento would not match this. And it it's a way that, you know, teams can take advantage if you are below the cap in a way uh, because you can only sign these players if you have cap space. And in this case, Bogdanovich was able to go there with the cap space and he's getting $18 million a year from Atlanta for it. But Sacramento had no way of matching that whatsoever. So I get it being restricted, but what's the point of having a restricted free agency and the option to match if there's no way that a team can can match something like that? It, it, it puts them at an extreme disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you're sitting across the t- a guy playing poker and you know exactly how many chips he has left. And when you know your hand is better than, than his and, and you can push X number of chips that, to go above his pile you know that you've got this thing in the bag. That's exactly what NBA free agents. I mean, sites like ours probably aren't helping where we're making 
these things visible to everybody who can kind of play, you know, GM God when they want to. But that's the that's the nature of it, right? We we know what Sacramento has. We know what, how many chips they're holding, and we can match it with all these little. F- I mean, anyone who thought the NBA <laughs> finances were smooth sailing, you know, this is the perfect example of why you and I have so many discussions about this stuff, you know, all day long because there are all these caveats that come into play. And it's really a decision of how each move is going to be maneuvered, whether it's going to be used with cap space, whether it's going to be a trade piece, whether there's going to be options built in. There's so many two-year contracts out there that are just one-year deals with, with options. That's half the league right now. Every, literally nothing as is, is as it seems in the NBA because there are so many ways to acquire players. And it's interesting. It's extremely complex. You know, I'm sure there's a ton of people like us who geek out on this stuff, but there's probably a lot of people that get frustrated by it too. I, mean, I would imagine the players being one of them who kind of feel like they're getting pushed through the ringer a lot with this stuff. So I just wonder if in the next iteration of the CBA, some of this stuff has to get cleaned up and maybe filtered down a little bit because while the player movement is, a, is a exceptional, and oh, by the way, while a $28 million trade exception for in Boston is phenomenal to have from a fan perspective, I mean... <laughs> You know, we can be talking and, and guessing on that now for the next calendar year, essentially, as to what they can use with for that. But the, 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 the way that they got to it just seems shady, right? Very. No, you make a great point that with the fact of the NBA has gotten so long. Well, it has been, but it, it's just so complicated that some people just get turned off when you start talking. Someone's probably turned us off already. <laughs> Uh, talking about bird rights and early bird rights and, and these exceptions and between trade exceptions, salary exceptions. It's been, 30, exceptions, it's been 40 years of that stuff now, though, Scott. And as we've seen in the last 10 years of the NFL with their kind of new hard cap, everybody gets a little smarter every year. Everybody finds they, loopholes every year. Yep. You know, it evolves not just from an on-the-field, on-the-court perspective, but certainly from a front office perspective, too. Everybody figures out how to find the edge, how to find the competitive balance with the numbers, with the leverage, with little things like trade kickers that can throw a team completely out of the scope. Um, all that stuff kind of adds up. And, and when you've got some, some real, you know, smart dudes and smart gals sitting in those front offices, something that, that's what we're talking about with these new age sports, right? I mean, th- these, these are why, this is why Golden State, by the way, is who they are. It's not just because... Clay Thompson can shoot the lights out of a court and Steph Curry can do anything with a ball. You know, the fact that these, that these players are all together on that team is because of math analytics. And of course, a little bit of luck, but there's some pretty smart people up in that golden state front office that are doing some on the edge of their seat things with the way that the CBA operates. It's just, it's just a fact. I just don't see that with Charlotte to come back full, full circle. <laughs> I just no, don't see that this move has any competitive advantage for them whatsoever. First of all, the, the dollars and cents alone seem ridiculous for that franchise right now. We talked about how, you know, you, you put Joe Burrow on, on a Bengals team that's not ready to win and you're wasting a rookie contract. How about putting $120 million into a Charlotte team that's not ready to win? And what are you wasting? Your own money <laughs> and your own ability to build your team. So, you, you know, there's two sides to every coin and this just seems like a... We got to move the needle move. We got to bring in the best available guy and all the, all the, the blogs and websites say that he's the best available free agent. And, you know, we like, we like who he is as a human being. Let's get him in here. Well, I hope it works out, but it's just, I don't see the writing on that one. That's all. No, I think we're going to look back at this uh, five years from now and be like, what were they doing? Yeah. Gordon Hayward is the second highest free agent value in 2020 and we're going to be scratching our heads could be an epic free agent bust it has, oh, epic. It, has it has all the uh, all the makings of a gigantic free agent bust all right that's enough on that scott good stuff from you uh obviously you'll be keeping your uh, your nose to the grindstone on this nba stuff because it's evolving every hour new stuff every hour and uh my thanks to you for putting the time with that we're going to spin back to the NFL probably next show, and hopefully there's some more noise on Major League Baseball. I didn't get to it, didn't get to it today. Uh, we're starting to hear some rumblings about possibly some big-time big time trades. I know the Mets and the Phillies are going to be really active here. Uh, we'll probably have to get Hembo back on to talk a little bit more about the NL East when that starts to ramp up. 
But of course, I'm uh, I'm knee deep in NFL articles right now. That's sort of my my part time job on the side here. Is like I said, trade candidates, roster bubbles for twenty one, where the cap space is going to live for every team, and extension candidates, of course, because some of these players are out kicking their current finances and they're going to need some big time money in a weird year, weird off season. So I'm keeping my, my, uh, my foot on the pedal with the NFL stuff as well. My thanks to the athletic. Like I said, skip my deal this, this week, get yourself on the black Friday deal, $1 per month for the next full calendar year. Get yourself a subscription to the athletic, theathletic.com at the athletic on Twitter for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the spot. Podcast.